Welcome to Winning with Data Driven Marketing Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Waz.ai Market Research. I'm Julie, your host in this podcast, and in every single episode, we talk to industry leaders, marketers, and growth experts in Asia about how to use data to enhance the ROI in their marketing activities. We bring you real case studies while giving you background on how these leaders build their career to where they are today. Joining me today is Ranga Sumanathan. Uh, he's a marketing and communication expert over 20 years of experience. We have helped a lot of clients from the likes of P&G, Samsung, Mitt Johnson, Visa and Citibank to grow and scale. He's currently the co-founder and curator of R-Square Global Ventures. He's previously the CEO of Omnicom Media Group across Singapore and Malaysia, and before that, the COO and chairman of Starcom Media West Group. So you can see from his profile, this is a person who you want to listen to as he has tons of experience here to share. Now, I would like to welcome you. Hi, Ranga. Hi, how are you, uh, Julie? Good to see you here. Good. Thank you so much for jumping into our podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I... In the past year, you have started R-Square Global Ventures. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about R-Square? Sure. Um, R-Square Global Ventures uh, was uh, set up to operate at the intersection of uh, startups, large corporates, and investors. And uh, what we typically do is help the startups with their growth agenda. We help large corporates with their innovation pipe. And uh, when we do this... uh, uh, we end up having a virtuous cycle of growth and innovation, which investors are interested in. And we introduce these startups to investors to ensure that they get the right startups to invest in and uh, have the IROI. So operating at the intersection of startups, large uh, corporates and investors. That's what we do. I, uh, I can see from your profile, your entire career experience has been in marketing. Um, how what makes you pursue a career in marketing and being so convicted in this space? I wish it was that uh, much of a design involved. Uh, there's an element of default and going with the flow too. Um, I did my graduation in uh, statistics, uh, and even the choices of subjects, how I ended up doing statistics was that of uh, attrition rather than selection. Um, I did. Uh, in India, my, I did my Bachelor of Science, uh, where um, I started off st- taking math, um, statistics, and economics uh, as my subjects. In the second year, I dropped economics because the college wouldn't offer economics in second year. Uh, and then the third year, I dropped maths because I found it more uh, difficult than statistics. Uh, so I enjoyed doing statistics, so I graduated in statistics. Um, and then... Uh, Again, uh, the sentiment is uh, graduation alone won't land you a job, so you go and do your post-graduation. And I wasn't that keen to do uh, master's in statistics because that would have been even more difficult. Uh, so I said, okay, what is the uh, thing that the, uh, will appeal to me? And I realized that uh, doing an MBA will be a good thing. Uh, so I did the MBA in marketing. So the combination of uh, graduation and stats and post-graduation and uh, marketing kind of helped me to uh, funnel myself into advertising. I got placed on campus with Rikaya Gray, which uh, uh, later on went on to become Gray and Media Car. 
Uh, and uh, because of my background in statistics and an MBA in marketing, I was assigned to work on media team on PNG business, and that's how my journey started. Uh, so it's a bit of a selection and attrition, uh, and it's uh, been a fun ride since then. Wow. Um, we're going to talk a lot more about statistics and advertising. Uh, and what are some of the... So would you say because of your background in statistics, um, it actually prepares you much more easily for, you know, uh, addressing the data-driven part in the advertising space? I would wish to think like that, but I think uh, it's more <laughs> over time. Uh, I have met a lot of people who have not necessarily majored in statistics, but purely on the basis of their passion for the subject, they've actually embraced uh, data analytics uh, at a later stage in their career. So um, if you're a, a beginner in the space and you uh, don't have the uh, academic training, it's pretty uh, okay for you to embark on this journey because there are enough uh, training materials out there for you to self-learn. And a lot of things that we do in advertising is applied statistics. You're applying and interpreting rather than going through the uh, the science uh, and uh, the uh, principles of statistics, right? Of course, it helps if you understand how these theorems work. But what is more important is are you able to interpret data? Are you able to analyze data from the context of consumers? So um, for me, it was an advantage, but that doesn't mean it's going to be a disadvantage for somebody who is not Gotcha. Can you tell us a little bit about what are the unique insights that you have learned over the years, right, that help to drive effective advertising strategies that you have used? And if, if there's any success story that you can share with us, that would be amazing. See, the it all starts with the business problem that you're trying to solve, right? It doesn't start because I want to apply statistics. If, you, if that's the starting point, then more often than not, you get into analysis paralysis because you don't know what you're trying to find. So any analytics project, any data science project starts with the problem that you're trying to solve with a business. Level. And um, when you start that way, you're able to frame hypothesis properly. Then you're able to structure the uh, analytics framework properly, choose the right kind of techniques to analyze the data properly. And then whatever outcomes come, you iterate a few times before you see that it makes sense. We've done a lot of market mix modeling where purists come in and take all of the data, do multiple runs, come back and make recommendations purely based on what the statistics says. We realize that those findings are not applicable or not usable because it's too theoretical. So when a, a practitioner of marketing, a practitioner of media, uh, looks at, uh, collaborates with um, a market-based modeling expert, uh, you are able to frame the right kind of hypothesis. You are able to restructure the data uh, to see how the uh, results look. Uh, it is almost like, uh, you know, cooking, where you are uh, putting in the right ingredients to uh, end up with the right outcome, right? Um, and you have to put that in a sequence. You got to stage that data in the analytics so that you are able to see the layered effects. So that's what the art of analytics comes from. And that's where your understanding of the market, the understanding of the consumer, even simple things like seasonality, understanding seasonality, understanding festive times in the If somebody is uh, going to be taking a, a trip back home, what is the implications of that on 
uh, user behavior. All of those things get layered and all of those don't come in data form. It comes in some kind of an insight. How do you layer that in your analytics and look at a big picture it becomes an important part. So um, you asked me about what are the, uh, you know, the successful um, application of uh, data analytics, right? I think for me, one of the favorites and uh, was um, the work that uh, we did when I was at Omnicom Media Group uh, and my team at OMD Singapore did this work uh, for McDonald's uh, where the business problem was that uh, they were uh, launching online uh, orders and delivery service, right? But then the delivery was being managed by the retail outlets. And uh, there were peak times where uh, the online orders as well as footfalls in the retail store would be uh, coming in at the same time. So the kitchen capacity was not able to service the online delivery and uh, retail demand. So that was a business problem. And we had a very smart data scientist, a very good strategist. Instead of giving up saying it's not a marketing problem, it's not a media problem, they handed it for a bit and said, how if I uh, mirror um, the capacity information with search volumes? and uh, reroute traffic based on that, right? Um, so first we went to the client, the team went to the client, asked them, are they able to share with us the capacity data by each McDonald's restaurant in Singapore? And you give us on a minute by minute basis how the order is coming in. And the client uh, was uh, very innovative and ahead of uh, their times and they were very keen to provide that support. Then we went and uh, negotiated and uh, discussed with the Google team to say, hey, can you break down the search volumes by the McDonald's restaurant geographic zones, localization based on, rather than their own uh, breakdown of the country. And with a few conversations with various teams, including their engineering team, they managed to give us that information. We had the kitchen data. And then on a real-time basis, we were able to match volumes of search and demand on ground. And our messaging, as well as uh, uh, the offer, uh, tied in, synchronized with the capacity. When there was low capacity, we were bidding aggressively. When there was high capacity, we were offering in people to stay on for a longer time. Uh, so that kind of balanced out um, uh, the demand and supply. And uh, it was a brilliant marketing effectiveness solution, right? And even... Uh, um, uh, it was recognized at uh, Cannes, it was recognized at Festival of Media Global as one of the best-in-class data-driven marketing solutions. But the icing on the cake was uh, even their global CFO uh, said, these are the kind of innovations that we would like to see uh, in their um, in earnings call. Uh, so I think um, that, I think, is uh, one of the best practices I have come across. Uh, I'm very extremely proud of the work that my team did extremely proud of the collaborative mindset our partners had, our clients had to try something different. Right? And we came up with a solution. So to me, data-driven solution looks like that. It starts with a business problem. You see if their data is available. Otherwise, go and figure out where to get it, how to get it. And it's a, a you know um, uh, process. Once you get it, how do you line it up? We couldn't have managed this manually. It had to be code-driven. Uh, Somebody had to write a code synchronized volume of search and uh, capacity. And that kind of automated the entire uh, search bidding process. So to us, it was a very uh, uh, 
meaningful solution that was created and we created a very happy client. We had a happy team uh, and uh, uh, becoming famous was a good uh, side uh, benefit of it. I hope that kind of gives you a good example. This is amazing. Um, I like the fact that how when you start actually giving the context of a scenario, my first impression was also the same. Oh, is this is this a marketing problem? It sounds like an operation problem. But uh, like you said, it's, it's really interesting how the marketing actually solved this in a meaningful way. Um, you you talk just now uh, on this note, you also introduced to our audience market, market mix modeling. Um, do you see that in general, uh, market mix modeling is only something like, say, bigger bigger companies are able to apply? Or and can you also tell us a little bit more for those audience who have never, not quite uh, not quite familiar with this market mix modeling? Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Sure. See, at the end of uh, a day, what we do in marketing is we use all the resources on hand and deploy it with the desired outcome to drive more sales, right? Um, with uh, that in mind, we want to know what are those variables that we put in, whether it is uh, investment behind distribution, investment behind marketing, investment behind pricing, investment behind uh, gift promotions. We do a lot of those things to get the attention of the customer and uh, get them to buy our solution, our product. Now, trying to figure out which of those elements of inputs are contributing to the sales is what market mix modeling does broadly. Um, now, for that to have uh, analysis to happen, you need to line up all of that data. You need to have your pricing data. You need to have your distribution data. You need to have your sales data. You need to have your competitive uh, media weights data. All of that go in as your input variable, right? And uh, when then you put it through a modeling process, statistical process. Uh, at a very simple level, it's regression modeling. Um, and there are enough software uh, tools that help you do that. So don't get overwhelmed when you hear these uh, statistical terms. Um, then once you put that into a framework, you get the process done, you're able to look at um, which of these input variables have the highest uh, impact on sales, right? Now, sometimes you might not get to see the direct impact on sales, but you will start seeing impact on intermediary variables, brand awareness uplift, brand preference uplift, uh, so on and so forth. So you are able to then look at uh, the various um, input uh, variables and see the impact on sales. Now to your question, can anybody do it? Uh, or only brands uh, who are big and have a lot of budget can do it? Now, the answer to that is two-pronged. One is everybody can do it uh, because everybody has got input data. Right? You know your distribution data. You know your pricing strategy data, you know your uh, marketing spends data. All of the input data is something that you control. As long as you're organized and you capture that in a, uh, even in as simple as an Excel sheet, that's a good starting point. Now, whether all organizations can do it, whether a big company or small company, to me, the answer is not the, uh, it's not a function of scale. It's a function of mindset. Are you a data-driven organization? Do you want to take decisions that you can actually hold yourself accountable to? The organization culture is driven by data. You will be able to pull this off. If your organization culture, if uh, folks in the organization 
are a little bit more driven by gut, by experience. Even gut comes from experience, right? Um, then uh, a data uh, becomes an excuse uh, of why you shouldn't do something rather than why you should do something. So going back and reflecting on your organization culture, all the way from top of uh, the organization leadership uh, to functional leaders to see if... Uh, we want to be data-driven. We want to take uh, decisions and hold ourselves accountable to those decisions by looking at data and outcomes. Then your organization will have more success uh, when we actually do market mix modeling or any analytics. Um, having said that, the last, say, 10 years or so, um, or even 15 years, in Southeast Asia, uh, we were on a growth uh, trajectory as businesses, right? Most businesses tended to have a positive um, cycle in sales and uh, growth. And it kind of became exponential during the pandemic period. Coming off the pandemic period, there is normalization and potentially headwinds that businesses are seeing due to macroeconomic environments, geopolitics, supply chain, and so on and so forth. Now, when the businesses were on an upward trajectory, uh, just being in the market gave you growth. So, unless you were looking at efficient growth, you didn't really have to look at data to tell you how to grow. Just being present, available, and uh, having a very basic uh, marketing presence gave you an uh, upward trajectory. But over the next uh, few quarters and few um years. There will be course correction, there will be softening in some sectors, there will be headwinds in some sectors till the time the macroeconomic as well as geopolitical headwinds stabilize. With that happening, uh, when you're not able to figure out which element of your input is giving you the maximum impact, you will um, end up having a much more tougher business situation. In the contrast from the past 15 years to how the next three years probably look, you didn't need to do a market mix modeling to say I can grow. And you didn't really worry about which element of my input was giving maximum impact. But as we go into a little bit more uh, constraint-driven marketing and business environment over the next, uh, say, 24 months, 36 months, it's important for you to understand which variable that you are inputting is giving maximum bang for the buck. And therefore, deploying a market mix modeling end of a solution will give you much better insights on which lever to push up, which lever to bring down, and therefore you're getting maximum ROI. Uh, and in the Western markets, when uh, the markets were soft, they were not growing as exponentially as uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, strongly as in Southeast Asia. Uh, they have started using MMM market mix modeling uh, for a few years now. Uh, because uh, when the markets have uh, plateaued, uh, you got to squeeze the blood out of your uh, marketing uh, efforts and therefore you try to figure out which one to uh, really push. I think in the next three years, we probably will be in that environment um, across the uh, region. And um, it's important for you to understand what you're doing which part of what you're doing is working the most for your business, and therefore you can control those decisions. It was a long answer, uh, Julia. I hope it kind of gave me some context. Oh, I love the context. In fact, I think you answered a questions that I always hear. 
Like uh, a lot of times um, when talking about, say, other than using MMM or other than using other data-driven strategies, right? Uh, some companies uh, say, I've been doing so well in the past. Like, why would I need to do an additional um, service like this or additional strategy thought like this? And you just answer it. Um, but if you're pursuing efficient growth, I like this word, <laughs> uh, efficient growth, then actually doing this is important. Um, when... Do you see what are the uh, what are the few challenges or what are the top challenges that you see company face, even when they try to apply MMM, uh, and if you if there is any case studies that we can learn from it, that would be great as well. On how you resolve that. So we typically tend extreme. Um, see, it's a very early stage for many companies in this, right? Or to use some. Uh, deep statistical techniques to actually get the uh, Market mix modeling is one tool that people use. Uh, attribution modeling techniques that people use, especially if you're a fully digital organization where um, entire operation end-to-end is on online. Uh, you use a lot more attribution work than market mix. Uh, and... Uh, um, the challenges that marketers face is um, the lining up of the data, collection of the data, storing of the data, uh, retrieving of the data, reporting of the data, and interpreting that data, right? Um, each one of those stages requires a little bit more um, conscious effort to um, ensure that uh, you're getting the right information placed in the right place, Analyze the right way, interpreted the right way. Now, again, I'll give you an example of how it used to be before and how it is today. In the past, um, when before the uh, digital era, right, 2007, 2008, uh, where we were still in the early days of digital uh, data in marketing, a lot of uh, analytics used to happen with historic data. Uh, so we used to work with time series in the sense that you would get sales data two months later. You used to get um, ad spends data um, again a month later. Uh, your reach frequency data a week later from when the events actually happened. So you're dealing with a lot of past data. And you're lining up those past data and trying to figure out the interplay between reach, share of voice, share of spends, distribution, pricing to sales. So a lot of past uh, data we used to bring together and analyze. And the speed at which that data came was very clear. It will come in a week's time or a fortnight's time or a month's time or a quarterly basis, whatever was the cadence. It was very clear. With the onset of data coming from digital environment, the characteristic of data changed. It started coming real time. It started growing fast. And it started coming from multiple directions. So suddenly the data which we were used to dealing with, which was past data, also started building a characteristic of past data. So we ended up having past data, past data, and bringing all of that together required a little bit more rigor in data management. Right? That was, the, that was becoming the challenge for most marketers. If you don't line up your historic data, you don't line up your real-time data, in the right form, 
the outcomes that you get is going to be a lot of noise, a lot of rubbish. So that requires um, that that required marketers or uh, data analysis and the lists to bring in an additional skill set, which is a bit uh, that of coding, that of um, artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning. Uh, so that the tool was able to, the software was able to analyze, synchronize, and organize data much faster, much real time than humans could do, right? So, especially in the last three, four years, um, the organization of data with the support of AI, machine learning, becomes a very critical element for you to be successful. If you still do try to do everything manually like you did 10 years ago, uh, you're going to struggle to actually come up with any meaningful option. Because you're dealing with historic data, which is very probabilistic. And you're looking at real-time data, which is very deterministic. And then you're trying to bring all of that together, synchronize it, and then predict the future. You will need machine learning and AI to help you to deal with the volume of data, to deal with the complexity. of it. So if, uh, as a marketing organization, you're at an early stage, um, then what I would recommend is you start organizing your data. Um, you start at least uh, reporting your past data properly. Uh, bring it all together and try to make sense of what you have done and what's that doing to the business. If you are in a uh, intermediary stage, then start uh, looking at dashboarding, capturing all of the data into some place, visualizing it in a cleaner manner integrate uh, uh, analog data and digital data together and start looking at it together as a collective. And if you are in the advanced stage, then you need to bring in, in addition to uh, very simple techniques uh, that uh, you use in statistics in Excel, start using platforms which are AI and machine learning driven so that it's able to deal with the Also, in terms of culture, you start with uh, telling people the data is important at an early stage and start showing uh, health uh, brand health measures. Uh, at an intermediary level, you start doing some level of predictive work to say this is what uh, this investment is going to translate to. And at an advanced level, you start uh, uh, optimizing real time your inputs and outcomes so that you're able to dial up, dial down almost uh, a live basis. And the, this the nitro boost of that advanced level is where the system starts doing it for you and you can just monitor if it's doing brighter. Thank you for sharing different advices for different types of companies. I think the, the audience will definitely be happy because uh, they will find one in in the three options that you just mentioned. Um, it does look like in order to pull this off, right, there's a lot of different types of skill set that is required. Um, not just on the typical, say, communication side of things in terms of marketing, right? Um, how would you structure a marketing team uh, leveraging what kind of talent or skill set that are able to leverage this kind of strategy? See, first is um, we have to start thinking beyond our own function. We've got to have a wider perspective because... Um, the way the finance organization collects data, the way the sales organization collects data, the way the research organization collects data, the 
uh, customer service uh, department collects data, they're all in different forms. So as a data analyst, you need to have a wider perspective of what all data the organization is creating, how it is being captured, right? If I were to rephrase data into interactions, what is essentially happening between a company and its user is interaction. Either the company-initiated interaction or the customer-initiated interaction. They all are coming into the organization as data streams. Identifying which, are, which uh, function in my organization is triggering that interaction if we are initiating it. What are the ways in which it is going out? What are the characteristics of those interactions? What is the cadence of those interactions? All of those things, the data analyst uh, or the marketing specialist who's working on data needs to understand. The second element is when the customer is triggering a risk, uh, interaction with the uh, company. Likewise, what are the things that the customer is triggering, user is triggering? How are they triggering? From what sources they are triggering? And how, what is the characteristic of that source? Right? How predictive is that source? How deterministic is that source? Understanding those interactions become very important. So if I were to just pull, pull a number of the air, uh, you probably will end up having uh, about, uh, you know, uh, 40 to 50 unique interactions that the brand triggers towards a user and the user triggers towards a brand. So being able to understand those interactions become an important element for a marketing specialist who is trying to interpret the relationship of these interactions and how those relationships translate to a business outcome, which in this case would be sale. Uh, so wider perspective of what's happening is one element. Understanding the characteristics of those important is an important element. Having some element of coding experience is an element that you need to build. You might not have it in-house, then use partners. You know, this is a phase, this is a fast-growing uh, space and you might not have all the capability in So for you to be successful, don't be afraid to be resourceful. Seek help, right? There are tech organizations, platforms, uh, uh, analytics specialists and uh, marketing services partners who can collaborate with you to make it right so um, be resourceful uh, is a very important part of uh, this uh, because you're not going to have all the capabilities in house to be able to build this right and then at the very fundamental level have an ambition right that I want to be a data driven marketer and puts accountability so uh, that, that goes back to culture uh, so, a wider perspective, resourceful, and uh, having a culture to be accountable are the key elements I think uh, you will need to have in a marketing organization uh, as we embrace data-driven marketing. Oh, thank you. Um, I now we we also spoke a little bit about ML AI. Um, what are the trends that you are seeing? or things that will change in the coming few years because of AI in the advertising space? Or maybe um, it doesn't actually will change, but there's a myth that it will change, but it actually will stay the same. I'm curious about your thoughts. See, there are a few conversations around what AI can do. And big part of that AI conversation today is around generative AI. And how is that going to impact marketing? I think um, any kind of... Uh, the reason why all of this are relevant and important, if I were to start from that point of view, is because it, the amount of data that is being captured today amongst on these interactions that brands and users are having 
is become tending to infinity, right? That volume is tending to infinity. Those micro events of those interactions are uh, happening at such a scale that it's humanely impossible to uh, organize that and analyze that, interpret. So if you want to be on top of all these interactions and assess which of those interactions have the strongest relationship to fail that you want to leverage, there is no other option but to embrace uh, machine learning in it. Now, if I were to then take it to, so that is an answer which comes within the data analytics space. But the overall impact of generative AI on marketing services is an important question that people are asking. And I think how generative AI will impact is um, make the process faster, more efficient. And people who are truly capable are then able to invest their time in building that idea uh, and uh, which will be super company, right? Uh, ge generative AI is not going to uh, create an innovation for you because it is based on all the things that happened in the past. So it is whatever its recommendation is going to have uh, history, right? Uh, most innovations that create uh, 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 path-breaking solutions and accelerated growth is going to come from um, the fuzziness. It's not coming, it's not sitting in the binary one or zero. It is somewhere sitting in the fuzzy. And the ability for Gen AI to operate in the fuzzy is still limited. And it will, uh, the moment there is a precedence to that fuzzy, that becomes one or zero. And that becomes predictive for the AI to then used to actually uh, recommend something. Till the time, the the why is answered by uh, intuition. The why is answered by um, an observation that is already not being captured. Uh, the human spirit will keep the animation ahead of what a generative AI can do. So to me, generative AI is a great accessory, great uh, asset for somebody highly competent to take all of that grunt work, use that insight, and project an idea which has never been done. Right? If I were to exaggerate on the other side, it will surely make the mediocre redundant. Now, if I'm operating purely on uh, a data, and that data is what I'm presenting as an idea, without necessarily making the leap into a, a meaningful elevation, that a generative AI can do, and you don't need a uh, mediocre resource to actually give you some solution, right? So, I believe what this will do for the industry, it will separate the wheat from the chaff, as they say. But they will basically have the good uh, quality folks uh, become better. So, the good will become great. And their average will get churned out of the system. So, um, that's uh, a good thing, right? Um People don't have to pretend to be an expert when they're not because uh, uh, if I'm a marketer who's using Gen AI uh, to actually create solutions, if I've been using an average service provider, I will I can do that myself, right? But I'm actually using a very uh, path-breaking innovative partner who's able to take all of this data and leapfrog into something that's never been imagined uh, that uh, Gen AI can't replace. And that kind of a solution is what's going to give exponential growth to work. 
you work with a lot of different companies and I can see that a lot of companies probably have different success metrics or how do they define success in their marketing as an organization. How do you see this has evolved over time or is there a pattern to how a company define what is the right success metrics when it comes to their marketing? It still remains a struggle for a lot of marketers to define success metrics. A lot of conversations in the organization is around what should be the metrics and uh, that's an evolving conversation, right? Um, it becomes a little bit more sophisticated again in a fully digital uh, brand where uh, all the inputs and the outcomes are happening in the online ecosystem. It becomes a little bit more brittle, the process, when it is an offline to online to offline kind of a brand where we're not having a full view of those interactions when they go off the online to offline grade, right? So, so there are two kinds of measures which I would actually bucket any kind of outcomes to. One is called mind measures and the other is operational measures. Now one needs to measure both the mind measure and operational measure. Mind measures are all the things that customers think about you. Whether they love you, whether they hate you, whether they like a service that you give, or they, they want something else, all of the things that they have in their mind, it gets captured in brand affinity studies, brand awareness studies, um, spontaneous awareness data, attributing the product efficacy to the right brand. All of those things are sitting in a consumer's mind and you need to measure that to see which of your messages are sticking and uh, those messages converting to business, right? So those are mind measures, anything that people are thinking in the mind. So you need to figure that out. And that typically happens through a panel study. You run a panel, you ask these questions, and you get that information back. And they are probabilistic data. You can't do a, you know, for you to be efficient in marketing, you don't need to go and do a census. You do a panel, you then run an estimate on it and see how this thousand people questionnaire uh, reflects on the overall uh, population or the target audience, right? So that's a mind measure that you use a panel to run. The other is a determinist uh, operational measure. Operational measures are more often than not sitting within the organization, which is uh, what is my uh, distribution data? How many markets, uh, how many stores am I present in? And what level, what sizes of uh, units that I'm present in? What SKUs that I'm present in? Um, and then, um, uh, what is the offtake data? That is, how much sales is going on um, from the factory? So you collecting the data from your own source. Say how much I have shipped, um, and then you uh, get uh, retail outlet data to say how many people in the retail environment have bought that from the shelves, right? So those are hardcore operational measures. Of, uh, so you need to layer the mind measure through panel, um, and which is more likely probabilistic, an operational measure which internal variables are more deterministic. And when you look at retail media data, that probably has a mix of deterministic and probabilistic data. So these are the two broad buckets that one needs to operate with and see how they come together uh, in terms of uh, interplay between mind measure to uh, operational measure and uh, from there, the impact on business. So. It's uh, that uh, synchronization of the data stream, analysis, analysis of the data stream that creates the magic. That, uh, I like how you bucket it in the mind measures and the operational measures. 
I think in the past, I heard a lot of companies uh, a lot more actually focusing on operational measures uh, because they can see the ROI tying very uh, deeply into that. But my measure sometimes is less, it's a little bit more weak. See, there is a saying in uh, marketing and advertising that consumers make up, uh, they, they decide with their heart and rationalize with their mind. And when they decide with their heart, um, you cannot, you don't have any deterministic data as to what are those triggers that uh, made them decide, right? And uh, when you actually run uh, brand affinity studies, uh, usage and attitude studies, uh, you understand the why behind what. Uh, so that's where uh, mind measure studies become important. If um, you are optimizing purely on operational measures, that is, um, how am I pushing my distribution? How am I pushing my pricing? How am I pushing my, uh, uh, you know, offtake data, so on and so forth? You get the what. What's really happening in the business? Uh, and that's fine. Uh, as long as in a growth environment, uh, that kind of gives you decent enough uh, a lever to actually play around with. Um, but it doesn't give you an answer on why people are taking your product off the shelf, why are they buying it, why are they repeat buying it, uh, so on and so forth. So, uh, mind measures become therefore right uh, approach. Uh, measuring the mind measures become the right approach to figure out uh, how to push, improve your operation. So, uh, and for that, you need to be able to work with. Um, the uh, consumer response data, right? And you're asking the question and you're getting a response. And that is where, where the quality of mind measures become good or bad. If you run a, you become very greedy and you run a two-hour questionnaire trying to understand what the customer thinks about you, you're only going to get a tired customer responding in a very high level of fatigue. So you got to be very smart about and choosy about, unselective about, what do you want to really understand? So keep your questionnaires to very short length, max 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Even that is a stretch. Who's going to sit and answer you for 30 minutes? Ideally, if you can pull it off in 10 minutes, great. Which means that you need to really spend a lot of time understanding what I really want to understand. Sharpen that to very uh, easy to respond uh, questionnaire again. That kind of will improve the quality of the responses. Uh, so having a right panel partner, having a right uh, questionnaire design, uh, will give you that um, strategic advantage when you use mind machines, right? That also will give you the why behind the what, which is the operation. Thank you. Uh, this has been amazing conversations, Ranga. I have last three very quick questions for you. Um, first one. What are some of the most important skills that a marketer should have, or what advice would you would you give to them if someone would like to pursue a career in marketing? Uh, three things uh, or two things. Um, first uh, is uh, to have empathy, right? Uh, to uh, want to know what's really going on in your customer's mind, in your team's mind, in your uh, market, uh, in your organizational functional mind. Um, and putting yourself in other shoes is a fundamental um, human uh, uh, need. It becomes even more exaggerated in the marketing environment. 
because in marketing you're trying to win over the hearts and minds of your customer and uh, unless you are empathetic towards them you're not li- uh, unless you're listening to them you don't know what you're selling to them which is relevant or so empathy becomes one key element. the second element is uh, to be uh, a little bit more risk taking um and not be riskers what do i mean by that um uh, a lot of times uh, you're persuading another person uh with a lot of logic and that is a comparative advantage everybody has access to the same logic data the competitor has the same logic data you have the same logic data so when you go to a customer and says hey use my shampoo because you got to get more confident uh because i'm going to have a good day the competitor is going to say the same thing because they also have the same thing for you to be able to innovate uh you need for you to be able to build a competitive advantage you need to operate on in the space that uh, is not evident for everybody and that requires you to go beyond comfort zone try something that you never tried before uh, run experiments around it and if successful scale it so risk taking experimenting is the second level of attribute a good marketer will right and um uh, uh, if i were to add a, a third level uh, to a marketer's uh, thing is put yourself at the top of the table of the organization right um what do i mean by that is um a lot of the conversations tend to become very efficiency driven especially if it is driven in the context of financial planning it is driven from the context of uh, operational efficiency because um the easiest thing to cut in a, a organizational operational expense expenditure is a marketing budget and the reason why it is easiest to cut is because we have been uh shockingly uh unaccountable for our actions right um we get away by saying 50% of what we do we cannot explain and that is uh, not uh, acceptable any you have to be accountable you have to make yourself uh, come to the table in an organization and say if i am spending this much in the marketing space this is the impact on the business that means that you are bringing data to the table and not judgment you're bringing um qualified uh, insights powered by data to the table rather than an opinion right so that is a super critical element uh, for you to then come back to a board level and uh, push the right agenda so that as a business you are able to create the right marketing solutions uh, have the right communication strategies and uh, win customers and build a competitive advantage i believe in the last two decades uh, the function of marketing is eroded essentially because we have not owned data analytics we have not held ourselves accountable for our recommendations we have uh, used judgments more than data so bringing in uh, that uh, element to our uh, marketing flair is going to uh, bring us back onto the table uh, and uh, it's on us uh, to basically leverage this uh, very powerful capability because uh, i also as much as i say that we have not used we have the most competent to use it also right and of all the departments in the organization we have a perspective of external internal and all stakeholders and we can bring this together 
and actually create that right uh, uh, competitive advantage for the company. My my second question is: What is the one marketing book or marketing resources that you would recommend? One of my close friends and uh, marketing experts, Prashant, uh, has written a, a book, Made in Future. I recommend that as um, prerequisite for all marketing professionals in the region. Please do read it. It speaks very simply about what are the various dynamics in marketing, what has changed, what do we need to do to win, and uh, very compelling read. Uh, to me, that's one of the updated books written for the region by somebody in the region. Awesome. Um, one final question. So where can people find you if they want to reach out to you and learn more about what you're up to? I'm on LinkedIn um, and uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's um, the place that um, I respond to. I monitor pretty often. Um, so please go ahead and reach out to me on LinkedIn. Amazing. Uh, Ranga, thank you so much for being here. It is a very delightful and insightful conversation that we have. Thank you once again. Thank you, Julie. It was a pleasure to chat with you, as always. Um, and I'm super excited uh, to see how uh, we can help marketers in this region get the best out of data and analytics to power their business. So look forward to hearing from you. Uh, all the audience who are listening to the podcast to also reach out to me on LinkedIn. So any specific questions that you want me to respond to, more than happy to support you. Thanks a lot, Muni, for giving this opportunity. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. If you find this valuable, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Also, please consider giving us a rating or leaving us a review because this really can help other listeners to find the podcast. You can find all the episodes or learn more about this podcast at was.ai. See you in the next episode.